Welcome to What's Cooking Palm Beach with Chef David Pantone, Dean of the Lincoln Culinary Institute in West Palm Beach, also known as the Food Dude. Chef Pantone has been serving up amazing meals and desserts at some of the finest hotels and restaurants in New York City, Miami, and Palm Beach for most of his life. Now let's head into the kitchen with What's Cooking Palm Beach, presented by Lincoln Culinary Institute, a division of Lincoln College of Technology, sponsored in part by Duffy's Sports Grill. Welcome to What's Cooking Palm Beach, here from the Chef's Kitchen. I'm Joel Malkin with Chef David Pantone, the Dean at Lincoln Culinary Institute in West Palm Beach. Uh, Chef, it's uh, something smells fishy in here today. Yeah, it does. Uh, It really, really, really does. And when you say that, you're saying it with a smile because it's a beautiful, refreshing, fishy it's a, kind it's of It's a pun. And, well, I also say oh, it because I'm not a seafood yeah. fan. There but you but go. that's okay. I'm not going to uh, insult our guest, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not it's the not first, him who smells like the fish. I'm Let's not just the first that. landlubber that he's met, I'm sure. But uh, uh, nonetheless, we do have a guest, and so we're going to talk all about what's going on on today's menu um, and this uh, red boat fish sauce that's staring me in the face, whatever this stuff is. It's your arch enemy. Yeah, but uh, it's my kryptonite, right? There you go. But before we do all of that, uh, Chef, tell us, what what is this show? What's Cooking Palm Beach? What is it all about? Uh, It's all about food, glorious food, right? Cooking, eating, healthy eating, food in the news, food events, local food events in the area in Palm Beach County in Florida, superfoods, cooking tips, lessons about food, techniques, Food education, right? Is I need you to learn one thing from the show. Each time you listen, our work is done here. It's all about fun with food. You know what? In my world, food is everything. It's my art. It's science. It's culture. It's entertainment. And it's my passion. You know, what you eat and what you drink has a direct effect on how you feel, how you act, how you sleep, and how you think. Joel, it really is you are what you eat. We're going to eat some that's fish That's a shame sauce. for me. But uh, I guess I'm a chicken McNugget. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so, uh, you know, the show about food and the way we do it, we break it down into menu form. So tell us what's on today's menu. Today's appetizer, we have a guest, one of my very favorite and most inspirational chefs that I know. We're going to talk to him in a few moments. He's got all kinds of great, exciting things going on. The appetizer of the day is going to be our superfood, so we will spin the big wheel of superfoods and talk about something delicious and nutritious. We've got a little side dish today, Joel, and it's about fish sauce. This is like that a, explains it. There you go. This is a little glimpse into the life of Chef Pantone's daily life and stories, and uh, we'll talk about fish sauce. The intermezzo, right, that's your palate cleanser. We've got a great question from a listener. Which fruits will continue to ripen after they're picked? That's always important to know. Okay. Then for desserts, we have a whole buffet of events and happenings at the Lincoln Culinary Institute, Palm Beach County, all kinds of cool things we'll talk about. All right. And uh, for your amuse-bouche. Sure. I changed it to hors d'oeuvre. So we have two French terms, but the amuse-bouche, thank you. That's the special little gift of the day from the chef. And that will be our friend, our guest chef today. Yes, and uh, your name is Roy. What? How do you say your last name? Villacruces. Roy Villacruces. All right, Hello, well, everyone. in my, my way, it's Villacruces. That's that sounded a, pretty that, good as I could do. That's good. That's really okay. good. All right. All right, thank you. Now, you, uh, your, your background is the Philippines? Yep, I was born and raised in the Philippines. I always like to share um, that I'm kind of raised on the streets because I traveled a lot. But... Uh, Born, uh, born and raised there, but I'm, I grew up here in Palm Beach County for the most part of my uh, adult life. 
All right. Um, and uh, actually, uh, Chef calls you one of the most creative and inspiring chefs in South Florida and, of course, a friend of Lincoln Culinary Institute. He is. I like that. <laughs> you like all of that? I like oh, all yeah. of it. It's just kind of hard to be introduced right before the stinky fish smell in <laughs> the room because I make sushi. But, you know, we're talking about fish sauce. None of the stinky fish ends up on the sushi Can we can't stay on the stinky work? Because I think it's amazing. It right? is. Uh, Here's what I think to me. Putting cologne and that kind of stuff and perfumes, for me, that's kind of stinky. I love the flavor of food, even though they might be a little odd or different to us. So... I'm really sticking is. up for the stinky fish sauce. I, I would too, and it takes a lot more to create that smell than you know a regular perfume or cologne. So. Yeah, we're gonna get there soon. Roy's food is just amazing to me, right? Now, Roy, you, you work at uh, what's what's the name of your place? Well, I'm actually a construction worker right now, <laughs> getting okay. ready to uh, not cooking too much there. Well, what are you constructing? We are getting ready to build a brand new restaurant in Jupiter. There you go. There you go. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> Nitrogen bar grill and sushi. And where's that going to be? It's going to be in Jupiter, right okay. on Indian Town off 95. All right. uh, easy access for everyone. And it's going to be a great place for craft cocktails, a um, little bit of grilled meats, and, of course, my sushi. Yeah. Your sushi. Yep. All right. What it's makes your sushi more special than, say, somebody else? Let's say Chef Sushi. That's well, hard to say, by the way. Ten times real quick while saying Chef Sushi. Chef Sushi. Yeah, well, for me, the biggest difference is just because um, we're kind of thinking of the sushi menu that we create. Not really just outside the box, but we're not even considering the box at all. <laughs> Where the heck is the box? <laughs> yeah, what, what box? We got no box. Basically, um, if we were born 200 years ago, we wanted to be those people that were coming up with these things that we all know now as sushi. So you yeah you bring your own flair to it and and uh, do things that yeah, other people yeah not not, done. not necessarily trying to change the wheel or reinvent the wheel or anything like that but we would just want to look at everything like with the fresh uh, set of right. eyes like we're creating everything for the very first time if we end up looking like something that already exists that's great you know like we think like we're thinking like the great minds but uh, just have that fresh approach to the whole menu right and Roy is an artist at heart and now he's a food artist. And he just brings out whatever he makes. You're going to look at it and say, that's amazing. All right. We're going to get to know Roy a little bit uh, a little bit more here um, on What's Cooking Palm Beach. But first, uh, we want to get to the Wheel of Superfoods. And uh, first, Chef, tell us what uh, what is a superfood. Fantastic. Thanks for asking. So in our world of superfoods, right, There's a, superfood's a big buzzword. I heard it on a television commercial just this week. So somebody's listening to the show, picking go. up on it. Okay. So this is Chef Pantone's list of superfoods. Other people have their superfoods. Mine is very unique to get on the Chef Pantone list of superfoods. They need to be three categories, three filters, right? The first, the food needs to be nutrient-dense. So ounce for ounce, calorie for calorie. It's got tons of vitamins and or minerals, phytonutrients, uh, fatty three, uh, omega acids, um, uh, fiber, anything good. Often they have a whole combination of those. Second two filters, these foods need to be available and affordable, Whatever we're going to talk about on the show, I want you to be able to walk right out to your local grocery store and buy it. I don't want you to have to go online to buy it. I don't want you to have to travel around the world. It's not going to be expensive. It's going to be something that you can afford and you can learn how to cook with. So nutrient-dense, affordable, and available. All right. uh, So, Roy, you see this big wheel standing right here? It's gigantic. Yes. Uh, It It is is the big wheel. Yes, the big wheel of superfoods. Uh, And uh, sometimes we wonder, and it's so big, we wonder how we get in the kitchen. 
but uh, somehow we get in here every week. Chefs um, know how to do things like that. As the as our guest, you're going to get to spin this wheel, just like with uh, the um, Price is Right. It's got to go around at least once. All so right. make sure you spin this wheel really good, and uh, we are going to see where it lands and what is our superfood of the week. Are you ready? Here we go. Here we go. Nice, nice. Go, go. Edamame. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. That's right up your right, alley, right too. Up my wheel. And I've seen the name before, and I thought it was Edamame. Shows you what I know. I don't know what it is. In some dialect, maybe it is. We'll go with that. I'm glad it landed on it, though, because I've seen it, and I don't really know what this stuff is. Excellent. Edamame. We, you might know it as soybeans, right? They're usually called soybeans when they're dried. Edamame, when they're nice and fresh. Often you buy it at the freezer department. In bags, they're already blanched and they're shelled already. So they're little green beans. They're picked from the plant before they harden, right? You know, some beans get hardened, black beans harden, uh, cannellini beans harden, all these beans harden. These are picked fresh, right? Young, so soybean. Young soybeans. Young, nice and young and tender. And uh, edamame means beans of the branch, so they grow on clusters on bushes. Uh, Southeast Asia, all cuisines of Southeast Asia use this, yeah. huh? It's, it's, I mean, especially now, it's gotten really popular. I mean, the Japanese cuisine had it as a small little appetizer at the beginning of almost every meal. Right. But now you can see um, chefs really taking their turn on it. Yeah, because you can do it like a million and one things with them. And uh, if you go to a Japanese restaurant, they give you a little bowl of these fuzzy little beans. Yeah, they're still in the pods. And they're still in the pods. They've been blanched in salted water. You pick them up, you squeeze them into your mouth. You don't eat the pods, just like peanuts. You can eat the pods, but it's terrible. But not, <laughs> not, not, in the, not in the Japanese restaurant. In my world, I have to eat the pod one time and then say okay check i ate the pot it was terrible and I, he said he, i've he, tried he, it he, <laughs> of and, course and he linked liked it to likened it to uh, peanuts and i'd like to uh, maybe put a public service announcement out there don't try to eat the peanut pods because you probably choke on it roy have you ever eaten a peanut pod i have tried it. we have tried <laughs> stuff so one time it. you can do it. oh it's terrible yeah you're not supposed right. to do that but i wouldn't we, recommend trying it at home. we're chefs we we kind of have to taste everything one time you're yeah. the pros take our word for it you don't need to do it we, tell yeah, me more we, about we the, the hit for edamame Fantastic. So why they're on the superfood list, really, really important. Here's why they're on superfood list. Um, they are gluten-free, okay? That's just a, a fact. It doesn't need to put it on a superfood list for that. Low in calorie, no cholesterol, excellent soy, soy source of protein. High protein. High protein, high quality protein. They have all of the essential amino acids, just like meat and dairy, that your body can't produce by itself. So especially if you're on a plant-based diet, if you're a vegetarian or don't eat a lot of meat, edamame is one of the vegetables that's got a lot of protein in it and high quality protein. Now isn't, in fact, you mentioned something, isn't soy used to make tofu? Sure it is. Which is like a replacement for beef. It is meat, it can protein be used as of, a protein, and sometimes yeah. they make like soy soybean burgers and stuff. Sure, it is can be used for a million and one things. I love tofu. It's no replacement for beef, but I love tofu. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> well, if you're for dietary uh, purposes, you know, yes, right? It is used sometimes as a replacement, and I'm not a big fan of the. This replaces this. This is a yeah. tofu burger to repl- No, it, yeah. it's what it is. It's pretty tofu amazing if you do it right. Its own category on its own, and it's amazing. On, on and its own. so much of our society, it doesn't get any respect. And people say, well, tofu tastes terrible. And I'll say, and I can speak for you, too. Yeah. It tastes pretty good when I make it. <laughs> exactly. So when you know what to do with the ingredient, it can be pretty fantastic. I'm sure Chef Roy does some magic with tofu. We love tofu. I mean, um, and it's a very versatile uh, ingredient, just like the edamame would be. Is 
you know, aside from just blanching it like you've seen in the Japanese restaurants, you can basically do anything with it from savory to desserts. Right, right, right. And they do in other parts of the world. We're a little slower in this country. We're picking it up, but more and more. It's a high in the healthy polyunsaturated fats, especially in omega-3 fatty acids. It's got um, great calcium, vitamin C, 20%, iron, 52% of vitamin K, right? Great for blood clotting, of course, but also for the nervous system. Pretty pretty amazing is the folate. Now, folate's being linked to fighting depression. I think that's pretty cool. Fighting depression with folate uh, because the um, homocysteines in your body form and that blocks your serotonin and your dopamine. Those are the little things in you that spark your interest, that make you excited. Every time your telephone bings because you got a new text, that's a little spark of dopamine or serotonin. And uh, high homocysteines are thought to block those. So the folate uh, takes care of that and um, theoretically makes you feel better, less, uh, less depressed. And uh, folks can use it, uh, you know, for um, helping out with inflammation. Anti-inflammatory, bing, bing, bing. There you go. We know that's good. And um, Osteoporosis, as some of us get older and our bones get uh, a little weaker. Right, and we can stand a little taller. Edamame. A miracle for and a mommy may help. Now um, we talk about all the positives of it, all the uh, the health benefits and uh, dietary benefits of it. Uh, but uh, like Roy was saying, our guest uh, that it's actually pretty good when you cook it right. You've got a couple of your favorite uh, of your favorite uh, recipes. So tell us how to cook uh, fresh edamame. Right. So generally, it's just blanched in salted water. You do mm-hmm. anything else to it? Um, just yep, to get it past that's the first the stage. The easiest way is just that you blanch it uh, quickly in the water, just enough to heat it up. And then toss it with a little bit of salt. Um, but at the restaurant, we've yeah. uh, walked fried it now uh, in the pods. And then so when you when you suck in the the piece out of the pods, it's a little bit more flavorful. And so walk fried in the pod. Yeah, we walk fried in the pod, and then just add a little bit of sweet soy in the end, and it gives so you so it that must nice really it's not flavor. touching the the fat. No, right? no, so it's steaming yeah, in its, it's own. It's like confit. It's steaming inside of its own juices. Yeah, that's amazing. Need so you a don't lot lose of any oil or anything like that. Good, good. Because yeah. if you put it in a pot of water, some of the flavor goes into the water. Yeah, not too many people are going to drink the water like that's me. A healthy water. I bet you Roy <laughs> drinks the water, don't I've you? Tried that's them. two of us <laughs> in the world that drink the water, just a little bit. But yeah. so when it steams in its own pod, I love that. Yeah, that's wok a, cooking is one of the best way to cook products to, uh, to start with. So, you know, you you're end up with a very flavorful dish with that. Nice. Sometimes I like to make crispy cheesy. I know, this is like a cross-culture, right? I'm taking a, a, a Far Eastern edamame, and then I'm going to put some extra virgin olive oil and some Parmesan cheese on them and crisp them, crisp them up. I think Sounds American really society, good. yeah, <laughs> in our society, anything with a little bit of cheese on it is going to be I good. You crisp say, it up. Yeah, if you want to get somebody to eat them for the first time, I think you put a little salt, pepper, and cheese on it and pop it in the oven. They're going to eat it a little bit crispy. I like to make hummus out of it. Usually it's made, hummus is made out of either um, chickpeas. chickpeas. I have a, 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 a Egyptian friend who makes it out of fava beans. Yeah. Pretty mm-hmm. good, too. And a fine chilled Chianti. Oh, very good. You oh, like the uh, sounds of the land. I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> and um, with the hummus, you make it just like like uh, chickpea hummus with some tahini, tahini paste, yeah, which is a really sesame good, paste, uh, some lemon zest, some garlic, some uh, cumin, uh, coriander maybe, a little extra virgin olive oil, some parsley. Fantastic. Spread that on a, on a piece of pita or 
any kind of chip that you like. I've got a nice dish I like with shrimp and edamame, and it's uh, served over rice, and the shrimp is sautéed up. The edamame go inside, nice little beautiful beans. It's fantastic. You have lime with that, too? I love it with lime. It sparks the flavor of everything. Yeah, a little lime will uh, highlight the sweetness of the right. edamame, too. All right, so you got uh, three uh, three of uh, Chef's favorite recipes uh, with uh, featuring edamame, and you can find the, the, the uh, recipes in full at his website, chefpantone.com. So make sure you... Uh, hit that I up. I didn't tell you what Check the score out. was. I know you're a sports guy. You oh, like the score. Right. It was uh, 655. Out of 1,000. Yeah. Oh, my oh, bell. God. The bell, there oh. you go. 655 is pretty high, especially for a yeah, uh, yeah, fresh there. bean. Right? What color What color is the anemone? It's green. It's green. Go! You got, you got you're learning so much. Right. The green right, things right, okay. are uh, keeping right. us alive. All right. So, again, uh, chefpantone.com to get those uh, recipes. You could be cooking your own edamame at Mommy's tonight. Sorry. I um, had to do that's it. That's the yeah. easiest way to remember the name, Eddie's yeah. Mom. Yeah, Eddie's that's Mom. It. That's it. I don't know who Eddie is, but whatever. Hey, we're going to come right back with our uh, special guest, <laughs> Chef Roy Villacruzis. Yes, Got it right sir. again? All right. Uh, he's right here, along, of course, with uh, Chef David Pantone from Lincoln Culinary Institute. And uh, we'll be right back with What's Cooking Palm Beach after this. Have you been to Duffy's lately? Stop by the newly renovated Village Boulevard location and enjoy expanded seating. 20 ice-cold draft beers available, two-for-one, all day, every day. And over 90 huge HD TVs. Duffy's Sports Grill has something for everyone in the family. From fall-off-the-bone baby back ribs to grilled items and freshly prepared salads to award-winning jumbo wings. Duffy's has the food you love. Visit Duffy'sMVP.com to check out the weekly lunch double play and to find a location near you. Welcome back to What's Cooking Palm Beach here on WJNO. I'm Joel Malkin with Chef David Pantone, the dean at Lincoln Culinary Institute right on 45th Street, uh, just on the west side of I-95. And uh, we have our special guest, Chef Roy Villacruzis. And again, uh, uh, David, you call him one of the most creative and inspiring chefs in South Florida. Absolutely. And I, that's what I live my life for, is for me to be inspired. I believe to inspire others, you need to first allow yourself to be inspired. Nobody does it like Roy. Now, Roy, um, you that's, come... That's big words. Yeah. <laughs> he loves it. He loves it. Uh, you come from the Philippines. Uh, and uh, yes, who introduced you to your vast history of Asian ingredients? Well, I grew up with my grandma. And, I mean, you know, it's kind of cliche to say that now among chefs. But I really did. And... Um, my mo- my mom was a very creative cook because she doesn't know how. So she's always cool. just <laughs> coming up with something. Um, and it's a total contrast to my grandma who respects traditional cooking so much, ba- both on Filipino cooking and Spanish cooking just because we're in the Philippines. We were very influenced with Spanish food. So my grandma actually has two different kitchens, the kitchen in the main house where you know we cook for the guests. And then she has what she calls a dirty kitchen behind the kitchen, which is an outside kitchen where she cooks um, on wood. She's got a wood um, um, kitchen where she likes actually to cook there more than in our main kitchen. Why does she call it the dirty kitchen? Well, because of it's outside and um, it's uh, based on cooking with wood. And uh, it is it gets pretty dirty and smoky back there, but not the food, obviously. Um, and w- guess what? Real dirt like is not so terrible for you. It's bacteria that comes from us not washing our hands, really us isn't. mixing the meat. Yeah. Cooking outdoors is a very, very clean environment. Yeah, we grew, we grew, in, we grew our own. We grew yeah. our own animals. We right. We have a garden 
filled with all kinds of vegetables and fruit trees. Her dirty kitchen is a kitchen for the last hundred thousand years. That's how it's been there for a while. There's actually not hers exactly, but this pipe that she used to, you know, build the fire with the wood that we still have now. I mean, my grandma's passed away a long time ago, but we kept the kitchen in there. And whenever I visit, we try to uh, utilize it for what it is. Now, you weren't always a chef. Tell me how you started. Um, Yeah, I was taking um, advertising and marketing in college when I started cooking. It's basically, um, I'm very artistic, and I just really like all different kinds of colors and shapes and things like that. it was a girl that led me in the kitchen, really. Of I was, course. Uh, <laughs> like everyone else. Um, was just hanging out at this uh, restaurant in West Palm. This is going way back. I'm aging myself. But uh, basically hanging out there to hang out with her and end up um, helping out in the kitchen a lot. And the chef took a liking at me and started teaching me behind the sushi bar. And as they say, the rest is history, you know. Um, the beauty about it is because I didn't... Um, took the regular route working under big name chefs or going to culinary school no offense mm-hmm. chef that's okay <laughs> but uh we each take a different basically path. um decided to learn on my own bought a lot of books as much as i can and eat out really just trained my taste palates before i even trained my hands to be able to do what i was tasting so it developed from that first you know i was able to mimic what i was tasting and then just really um start working towards um, learning more, you know. Now, you, you know, you talk about not having worked under big-name chefs and stuff, but uh, pretty impressive. I mean, you uh, 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 you had a connection to the MGM Grand in Vegas. Did you work there? Um, yep. Yeah, I uh, helped uh, open Shibuya in MGM Grand. Shib- Shib- Shibuya? Shibuya, which is named after a um, shopping district in Japan. Okay. It's a Japanese restaurant that, I mean, we've been lucky. We've won every award you can think of while I was there. Um, I did work for Mark Militello, which is one of the biggest chefs in South Florida, and he helped introduce me to a finer side of cooking and really giving me an opportunity to just have my own kitchen and do whatever I want and, and learn that way, which is, a, for me, is the most exciting to learn the culinary arts. Now, most recently, uh, you were the executive chef at a restaurant in Jupiter. You want to say the name of that restaurant for me? Is yeah, it's uh, it's called Aloy Thai and Sushi, which is actually... Yeah. Um, what he said. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's the Thai word for delicious, which really translates on the plates. Um, um, we, I was there only for a year, but we were lucky enough to really get the nice attention of the, uh, the public and the critics alike. Won a couple of awards, and yeah. um, I was able to... Uh, get some attention and now I have a new partner investor getting ready to uh, open a restaurant called Nitrogen Bar Grill and Sushi in Jupiter. Right, and you mentioned that earlier and uh, when when are we expecting that to open? We are shooting to be open by mid-May towards the middle of spring and uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah, Roy has a following, a loyal following. They just want to know wherever he is, that's where we're going to go for dinner or for something. And what you have to do, his following knows this, including me, you never go to his restaurant and say, "Oh, could I have a California roll, please?" You, or any of that. You don't. If you can, trendy. You don't, don't don't be trendy. If, you're not going to be the trendy guy. If you're comfortable enough, you just don't order. You say, "Roy, can you just hook us up?" And yeah. whatever he wants to make, that's what you want to. I eat. think that's the best way to approach it. Um, just because we're cooking differently, it's kind of com- coming and visiting me at my house. You're not going to ask me to, uh, <laughs> you know, serve you what you're going to eat. Um, it's best if you're not you going to have a menu. We will have a menu. I mean, it's a restaurant before anything else. 
Um, so we'll have an a la carte menu with all the uh, offerings for the day. But we're also going to be offering a tasting menu That's based it. on uh-huh. on my creations. And it will be on the days that I am in the restaurant because I'm actually going to be making this food for you myself um, from the ingredients that we will have in the house for that particular night. Whatever's freshest and available. Yep. Inspired by the day. Uh, now, Roy, I assume that uh, among the things on the menu and the tasting menu, sushi will be there. Yes, sir. <laughs> very much <laughs> Probably so. very prominent, in fact. Yeah. Uh, we have got our main course coming up. It's uh, Chef's Daily Special, the Sushi Revolution. And we're going to talk all about that with uh, Chef Roy Villacruzis. And that is coming up right after this on What's Cooking, Palm Beach. Get on your way to a new healthcare career with Lincoln College of Technology. Earn your associate's degree in nursing at their West Palm Beach campus. Learn the skills healthcare employers are looking for and prepare for a new career where you'll have a direct impact on patient care. Their industry contacts can help you launch a new career after graduation. Visit LincolnEDU.com today for student consumer information and to schedule a campus tour. LincolnEDU.com, student-centered training for careers that build America. Welcome back again to What's Cooking Palm Beach, the show all about food with Chef David Pantone, the dean at Lincoln Culinary Institute. I'm Joel Malkin and Chef Roy Villacruzes getting ready to open up your uh, your new uh, place, uh, Nitrogen. Uh, what what is uh, what is it? When's it going to open for you? It's going to open mid May in Jupiter on Indian Town by well, ninety five. Yeah, really very soon, soon. Like a month from now. Um, that's awesome. And sushi going to be front and center there. So that's your main course, Chef. The Sushi Revolution. That's where we're talking about a sushi revolution today. Be- before we get into it, I yeah. have to tell you because I don't eat sushi. I'm not a big seafood guy, uh, save for Long John Silver's when they were around. Love them. Um, and I know it's not what you consider uh, seafood. But uh, not a sushi fan, and I don't know much about sushi. And I remember a few years ago I found out I always thought that sushi was raw fish. I always thought that was a, sushi is synonymous for raw fish. And somebody said, no, 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 no. Some of it's raw. Some of it's not. It might be cooked and as some well. Some of it's not even fish. That's what? Well, see, there's a new one. That's I didn't why know we're, that. that's so let's talk here. about sushi. We're, we're, that's the sushi revolution, and that's why we have Chef Roy Villacarusis here, because he's amazing at sushi, though he's amazing at many other things, too. So we're here to educate, right? We're going to break down those myths, dig in deep, and say it's yes, not sir. just about raw fish. Because too often in life, people say, oh, raw fish or fish oil, whatever it is. Don't like check. Done with that. No. First of all, what does the word mean? Sushi. Well, sushi is uh, derived from two words actually, su and she, which is uh, literally just means vinegared rice. Vinegar so rice. Right, so that's you, what sushi right is. Right the so name. You strip, you strip it down to what the name is based upon, and fish isn't even in there. It's there vinegar. you have it. So Ta-da. you're going to have vinegar and rice in most, if not all. The, the revolution meat. has exactly. begun. So <laughs> now you want to eat some of it, right? Not really. We'll, but, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you there. Can we just get rice? Can we make it Uncle Ben's rice? rice? Sure. We'll do some rice. We're sneaking up on it. We'll get you to rice first. We'll sneak a little vinegar in there. Well, that's what it is, Chef. I mean, um, you know, sushi as a cuisine and as a food option in America is still pretty young and in some in some infant stage, uh, if I may say. You know, early 80s, we started seeing some of these places opening up. But at that time, these businessmen, Japanese first ones that opened uh, sushi restaurants in America, were not thinking about authenticity or anything like that. They're thinking about opening a business to a clientele that will, you know, um, um, buy buy into it. So they're not thinking into making real sushi. They're thinking into adjusting it to the taste palates of the Americans. So that's how the California roll was born and all this. It's kind of, I'll liken it to, um, I like Chinese food. 
but I'm willing to bet you're not going to get orange chicken in China. That, that was uh, that was going to be the next right. thing I said. It's I like, like I yeah. like uh, spaghetti and meatballs, but it's going to taste an awful lot different in Italy. Exactly. So French fries in France. They mu- no, I'm just <laughs> in Belgium. They Pomfrit. probably taste a lot. Yeah, different Yeah, it's where they definitely were following that trend on right. how Chinese. Food was introduced to America. The, the sushi was introduced the same way. Um, the beauty about it is the glo- globalization because of the internet and all that, and the real interest for our clientele nowadays to have some type of authenticity at least on the food that they're having. Mm-hmm. They want to learn more about it, which is great for someone like me who's eager to introduce it to all these ingredients. Nice, nice. nice. So originally it was the fish was packed in rice to preserve it. Yeah, in in the Japan, Japanese culture, it's actually not even from Japan, but influenced from the Chinese way right. of preserving things. Yeah, and and to preserve the fish because we didn't have freezers, refrigerators, or uh, walk-in coolers in those days. So to preserve the fish, they would pack it in the rice. It would ferment in the rice, and then later you could do something with the rice, maybe throw it away, and you have your fish to eat. Then they started eating the rice, and that became its own. It uh, took another track. It took an instant um, way of making now just because we don't need to preserve it anymore, and we don't need um, to be throwing away the rice. They wanted the rice to be an edible factor of the whole uh, the whole experience. So Yeah, so in the early 1800s, it became... Like a fast food. Comes the Edo style of sushi, which is what Tokyo is now. Exactly, exactly. And uh, that's pretty cool. So let's break down sushi, be, you know, what ingredients. It's really about the ingredients, right? That's all you have. It really is. I mean, sushi, In basically, you have your rice, and that's where um, the training of the sushi chef starts. You know, when you start um, training to become a sushi chef, it takes a while before you even make to that part where you're allowed to touch the rice and allowed to cook the rice. And then you're going to be cooking a lot of rice that the chef will throw away <laughs> before it becomes acceptable enough to your itame, which is the head chef, for it to be used in his restaurant. And then there's the fish, which is the mm-hmm. other main factor of it. Obviously, the freshness, the quality, the seasonality, and um, the fat content are all very important to the quality of it. And then between those two, you have all your supporting ingredients, the sauces and the vegetables. Right. So with the rice specifically, we had a rice show not too long ago, and we talked about long grain rice and short grain rice and basmati and jasmine and black, all kinds of different kind of rices. Specifically for this one, we want a short grain glutinous rice. That's what it is. Because we need it to stick together, right? Exactly. If it all fell apart individually like we, we want for rice pilaf, then you would never be able to make a sushi. So it has to be specific and do you have a way of measuring your water for the rice? Um, yeah, depending on time of the year, but for the most part, it's a one-to-one okay. ratio. So if you have a cup of rice, you add a cup of water. Um, and then on winter time, you take a little bit uh, more, and I mean a little bit less, and then on summertime, you add a little bit more. Good. I had a, a sushi person teach me, and she was probably 90 years old then. It seemed like it. This a long time ago, she said, the water, you put the rice in the pan, the water comes up to your first knuckle. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> it comes up to your first knuckle. How about my first knuckle? That might be a different place. And depends I didn't on the say size that to of her. The of container. Course, I, I think, yes, thank you very much. That it means, depends of course, you're putting your finger in the food. I have to. <laughs> well, that's okay, too. <laughs> okay. But, but that's how I learned to cook rice that's from my grandma, too. You put your it finger up to, to the bottom of the pan. first knuckle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bottom of the pot, and then wherever that rice reach, you add the same amount of water. So when, I, you know, I've never believed that before, but if you do weigh it, you have, uh, 
scaled it, it's coming up to almost the same. It's right. equal parts. Depending on your knuckle and depending on the, the size container. of the pot <laughs> and the flatness. So what else? So we're cooking rice. It comes off the fire. So, yeah, um, that's, that's the main thing. The other thing. part and is the, the dressing that goes into it, right? Yeah, you uh, have to bring the rice temperature down to room temperature, they mm-hmm. say, or, or men's um, hand temperature, which is around 80. And then you add your seasoning, which is um, vinegar-based. But depending on which sushi chef you learn from, there's secret ingredients added into it. Um, between the seaweed, which is kelp or kombu, and a little bit of sake. Some have rice, uh, sugar, some have salt mm-hmm. in it, and some are even adding a little bit of red wine vinegar. Red wine vinegar. That's kind of like a thing of the West, right? I think so, because I don't think they use much red wine in... Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, but okay, you go so to California, a, there's a, a lot of red wine It's a California added. thing. We'll go with that. Okay, and uh, so how do you cool it down? You do you use a um, traditional We have actually motion? a very... Uh, um, Specific containers that's made out of wood that's uh, the same material used in making um, wine or sake, the barrels, mm-hmm. uh, called the hangiri, and then you have a wooden spoon to mix it as well. It's just a non-reactive containers for the right. vinegars and the heat. And then there's the whole fanning and folding, which is how you turn the rice without breaking the rice grains, which is the most important part because you want to keep all the rice grains as whole as possible for not releasing any more starch when you're um, mixing it and using it, and also for uh, for the look, so it looks beautiful and nice. Yeah, so it's a very traditional way to do it, and when you do it that way, it comes out pretty great. Exactly. There is no you shortcut. Throw, to this. There's uh, yeah, the shortcut. The Come on, in America, we there, just throw it in the microwave, mix no it all around, do the hokey pokey. Perfect shortcut. And it comes uh, out terrible. We Wait. have uh, hamburger helper. Uh, chicken helper. Yeah, you know, these are these are sushi you know helper. Lipton. You got Lipton for the rice. You got the sides. No you know, sushi the, rice helper yet. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not for a long time. I'm hoping no. Very good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about all the different ingredients you could put in the sushi. Again, uh, I start by you know by saying, like I said before, I always th- there was a misconception that if it's sushi, it's not only raw fish but fish in general, and not always fish. Let's talk about all the different things that you all the different right. ingredients. So, yes. Yeah. The second the piece of that is then you got that s- s- green seaweed stuff on. You got raw fish and green seaweed stuff like that. The nori, which is very healthy and very good for you. And, um, of course, all the vegetables. In Japanese culture, um, just like the Koreans, they like a lot of pickling. This preserves the vegetables' quality for using it beyond the season, you know, because um, we always crave for what's not in season and um, the best way to have that be available is through pickling. So we have a lot of pickled vegetables in uh, in the sushi um, um, pantry. Uh, of course, there's the fresh vegetables too, especially when they're in season. Um, tofu is very well utilized in the sushi bar and chicken eggs. You know, if uh, if you're not familiar, that's one of those ingredients that's not fish, but it's actually uh, making tamago, which is that block of uh, steamed egg, is a very well way of finding out if your sushi chef is actually a sushi chef. <laughs> because if they can't make the muggle, they haven't gone through the whole process of becoming a sushi chef. What is wasabi? I've heard this before. I remember years ago. Wasabi. There was that whole, yeah, I remember what's up, like, wasabi. <laughs> they had the Japanese guy in the commercial. What, uh, we're going back to what, the 90s with that <laughs> one. Would you even remember it? You're a younger man than me. Um, but what what is wasabi? Wasabi is a Japanese um, horseradish. Um, it's a sauce. Uh, well, it's a condiment. Okay. Um, 
what you'll find in most sushi bars in America are probably 3 to 5% wasabi and the rest regular horseradish um with a green th- food color yeah there are a few sushi bars like mine that actually utilize fresh wasabi um they are being grown out of Oregon now right right so it's not like we're having to ship it all the way from Japan although they they get pretty expensive all the way to about 18 100 a pound Um, so it's a not goes a long way. Yeah, it's not something you want to mess with if you don't know what you're using. But it definitely tastes a lot better than wasabi. You know, we've all played with the whole wasabi, eating a whole <laughs> big blob <laughs> of it. You know, and uh, trying to burn just burn thing. our taste buds. But that's not what the purpose is. But uh, um, it really is a great condiment mm-hmm. that um, highlights the sweetness in the little nuances of the different fish that and you so will eat. Traditionally, I believe, only the sushi chef handles the wasabi. Yeah, no wasabi he, for the He Can guests. I say she? Me, uh, he. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> not to be... Uh, well, there, there's he. a reasoning behind it. They're saying that the woman's te- core temperature is a lot warmer than men, so that there's not a lot of professional sushi chefs because the quality of and the temperature of the fish changes too quickly. Sure. Under For the record, hand. What's Cooking Palm Beach is an equal opportunity in s- uh, sushi chef employer and attributor. Uh, <laughs> and I have trained and hired women sushi chefs in, in okay. my career as well. So this is 21st century sushi. But usually the sushi chef, right, he knows – or. He knows how much wasabi goes on the, on the sushi, and he puts it on himself. On the different types of fish. Right, yeah. on the fish. And then the uh, guest picks it up, turns it upside down, dips the fish in the soy sauce, and eats it like that. Lightly. Dip it lightly. Lightly. Please, don't ever let it touch the rice, or it's going to absorb it all, and it's not how it's supposed and to be. And then it's just all soy sauce. We've changed that a little bit in this country. We serve it now with wasabi right there, so yeah. the guest can put as much in there as they want. Yeah, people would add the wasabi in their soy sauce, mix it up, and then they're dipped. And sometimes you make that. it so spicy, you You can't taste the fish anymore. You can't taste yeah. the beauty of the rice anymore, and you just have a smoking hot. That's uh, when sinuses. you're paying too much for your sushi. <laughs> and then there's another there's another ingredient that you use uh, basically to cleanse the palate. Uh, kind of like in America, we use the uh, um, uh, uh, what is it sherbet sherbet that people usually sorbet. Will do a sorbet a sherbet. Yeah. A sherbet. Oh, that's I guess our was intermezzo. A brand, yes. on our course here, the intermezzo. Yes. Yeah. And uh, what do we what do we cleanse our palate with? That would be the pickled ginger or gari in Japanese mm-hmm. term. Um, these are thin sliced um, ginger that's been pickled in rice vinegar. Right. Um, there's two kinds that you're going to see on the market. Um, there's one that's pink in color, very rosy pink color. Try to avoid that one because that's all good <laughs> coloring. <laughs> Come on, it's very attractive. There is no such thing as a red or pink ginger <laughs> naturally, so um, try to avoid that one. So the sushi bars that serve the white, uh, whitish colored uh Ginger is a better one for you because those are um, more naturally pickled and without the food coloring. Right. Do you make your own? I've never um, made it personally, so I might not I've I made my own, but I don't use it on my own in the restaurant because yeah. the amount of the pickled ginger that we use in America are crazy. <laughs> and I will have to have three guys just peeling and shaving ginger all day <laughs> long every day because like to just, just to survive that. So those are all machine ma- machine sliced yeah. now. Yeah. But like I said, you can still get a better quality with avoiding the food colorings and all the extra stuff. All right, let's talk about uh, the fillings and toppings. We were saying, um, you know, oftentimes there is fish involved in sushi. So we're going to look at some of the most commonly used fish. Uh, and I know you, you like to point out that the quality and freshness of fish to be eaten raw 
uh, versus uh, that that's cooked. You want the more superior uh, quality and freshness. Definitely. And just a few weeks ago, Chef, on this uh, very show, What's Cooking Palm Beach, we had uh, folks on here and we were talking about Florida fresh seafood. Do you get uh, you get some of that seafood? Uh, from yes, Florida? definitely. That's, a, that's the one thing that's very important with sushi is the quality of the fish. So we do utilize some local fish that are um, good and available for sushi um, eating, um, like wahoo mm-hmm. and uh, snapper and things of that and nature. We even call it sushi quality. Yeah, definitely. That's name that we attach to it. Those were, um, you know, um, the best quality fish that they got to begin with and handled properly and kept in the right temperature the whole time. And you pay a lot of money for that. We do. We do. Um, you know, for example, if you, you see the tunas that you're getting in the store that uh, are for cooking steaks and stuff like that, would probably cost you between 10 to $15. The tuna that we'd utilize for the sushi is costing us about $30, $35 right. a pound. Right, right. Plus, when you get the bluefin tuna, that's... Crazy $80, $90 a pound. Wow. Let's uh, the show running a little long. Let's go over just really quick some of the uh, commonly used fish. I'm going to kind of run down some. You stop me when you feel you have uh, something to say about these uh, tuna, uh, which you call them either uh, maguro or shiro maguro. Did I get that right? Um, yeah, maguro is the bluefin tuna, uh, and then you have the yellowfin tuna and uh, blackfin tuna. Those were the most utilized um, types of tuna. All right, and then you have Japanese amberjack or yellowtail, uh, snapper, mackerel, uh, salmon, and the most valued sushi ingredient is something, uh, it's the fatty cut of the fish. What do we call that? That's the uh, toro or otoro. That's the belly of the bluefin tuna specifically. And then some other seafoods that you put in there, squid, eel, uh, octopus. This is just sounding delicious. I'm 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 so hungry. I love this. Uh, Shrimp, clam. Sushi for lunch. Sea urchin, crab, uh, scallop, uh, there's a ton of them. Uh, and then some non-fish filling. Sometimes you don't use the fish, as we said. Uh, you might use uh, a radish, a pickled, what is that, a da- daikon? Daikon, yeah. Daikon. Pickled vegetables, fermented soybeans, uh, the avocado, cucumber. I like cucumber. There we go. There you go. Good. Good. We got it. Asparagus, yam, some sweet corn, maybe even with some mayonnaise. Uh, tofu, back again. And yeah. you mentioned uh, eggs earlier. Uh, just make sure the eggs are cooked. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, we do sick. serve quail egg yolks raw. Yeah, oh, we do. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. All right. Uh, all right. So let's talk about uh, real quick some types of sushi. Different types of you know, as a non-sushi eater, I I just figured there's just sushi, but there's all different types here. So really quick, uh, let's just go over some of them. Well, we definitely train our staff really well so that they can relay you this information to you from uh, rolls, hand rolls, which are the makis and tamakis, um, nigiri, which is the most common type where you see the bowl of rice with the fish on top of it, um, sashimi, which will be just slices of raw fish. Um, now we've been making those with different sauces that actually highlights the flavor profile of the fish um, directly. And then you have all the rolls that the American type sushi boys make. <laughs> yeah, some uh, interesting names. And a lot of them come from where they were uh, either invented or started. Alaskan roll, Boston roll, California roll. You making any of those? You probably um, have to make some of those, huh? Not anymore. We don't. Not put anymore. Them, and we don't put them on the menu. Let me put it this way: yeah. If you come into the restaurant and you really, really just want a California roll, I will make you a California roll. It might be not the California roll you're used to because we'll use real crab meat because I won't have the uh, fish cakes in the restaurant. God bless you. Uh, not utilizing those ingredients now, but we'll definitely be able to make you something similar to something you've had before with better ingredients. And it'll be better. Yeah. 
All right, um, we're going to take a really quick break here on What's Cooking Palm Beach. We've got uh, uh, Chef Roy Villacruzis with us today. I'm impressed with myself. That's like three times without (laughs) making a mistake. Good job. Uh, And and, uh, there's some stuff here uh, called Red Boat Fish Sauce, and uh, we're going to talk about our side dish. And uh, I I have a feeling that uh, Chef and Roy are are, are And Joel. I think they're going to take a (laughs) shot of this stuff. I'm not sure, but we'll find out after this on What's Cooking Palm Beach. Have you been to Duffy's lately? Stop by the newly renovated Village Boulevard location and enjoy expanded seating. 20 ice-cold draft beers available, two for one, all day, every day. And over 90 huge HD TVs. Duffy's Sports Grill has something for everyone in the family. From fall-off-the-bone baby back ribs to grilled items and freshly prepared salads to award-winning jumbo wings. Duffy's has the food you love. Visit Duffy'sMVP.com to check out the weekly lunch double play and to find a location near you. Welcome back. What's Cooking Palm Beach on WJNO? Chef David Pantone, Lincoln Culinary Institute, Joel Malkin here. And we have Chef Roy Villacruzis getting ready to open up the Nitrogen Bar and Grill, right? Indian bar, Town? Grill, and Sushi. And on Sushi Indian Bar Town. in, in uh, Indian Town Road in Jupiter. And that'll happen uh, next month. Um, and uh, by the way, all of the stuff we were talking about, I know we were rushed for times. So we didn't get to everything. Any, anytime you hear anything like an ingredient, uh, uh, you hear uh, recipes, uh, ingredients. We were talking about all the different types of sushi, uh, rolls, and whatnot. You'll find all of that, the ingredients, everything at uh, What's Cooking. Uh, all educational. Yeah, chefpantone.com. And if you want to email, we have an email coming up here in a minute, uh, What's Cooking at chefpantone.com. So yeah, all types of educational and, and cool stuff at the website. Love it. Uh, make it your homepage. Why not? Hey. Hey, it's time for our side dish, Tales from the Chef's Table. And, uh, Chef, you're talking about fish sauce, which you call the fragrance of Vietnam in your neighborhood. Yeah, it is which today. Pittsburgh. You didn't grow up in Vietnam. <laughs> no, I'm talking Royal Palm Beach. Any neighbors oh, in Royal Saratoga okay. Pines? Okay, it was me. So that's the punchline. Here's the deal. You know, my wife has a business called Garden Fresh Kitchen, a personal chef business. We use just really great ingredients. Part of it is we have to pick the right ingredient. So we found, uh, we did a fish sauce tasting, found the one that we wanted. Uh, it's real expensive when you buy the little teeny bottles at the at the specialty store. So she went online and found the two liter bottles, right? Just like that a what giant we're staring coat. at right now. We're staring at one that about that 25%. What I'm smelling right is, now? That's what you're smelling yeah. right now. Yeah. So Red Boat is one we really like. Number 40, Red Boat number 40, um, the number 40 uh, and the letter N next to it means how much nitrogen is in it. Uh, So it's a sign of uh, high quality, 40. 30 is about the lowest number with good clarity, flavor, depth of flavor, and nitrogen content. 50 is a little higher, and uh, it just tastes really good. The nitrogen level tells you how much protein amino acids are in it. So she ordered some online came delivered to our door. We were doing something in the garage. She said, go check the front door to see if the uh, fish sauce came. And there's a big wet package on the front door. So this bottle here broke open a little bit and spilled out. And there was about a <laughs> quart of of uh, fish sauce all over the front Your area. Your delivery guy must hate you. And the whole neighborhood smelled like fish sauce. And um, so there I apologize in public, and the smell is almost gone. We had a controlled burn out there in our neighborhood, so between the smoke and the fish sauce, it smelled quite amazing. Now, you guys have uh, little shot glasses uh, with some of this... (laughs) Some of this uh, Red Boat 40 uh, in it, and I guess you guys are going to take shots of this stuff? Just a tasting. You don't need a shot. It's uh, really good because it's not too salty. It's well-balanced. Salty up front, fishy in the back. This is aged at least one year. You press salt and, and sardines together and no other ingredients. 
And uh, this is 100% pure, and this is the first extra virgin pressing. Well, real quick, Chef, Good on stuff. fish sauce, um, keep it in the fridge if you're going to have a lot of it. Yeah. Um, uh, so nobody has to smell it. <laughs> it's already well, putrefied fish. Make sure it's tied because you don't want to smell your whole fridge with the rest of uh, <laughs> the rest of the ingredients. The clarity is very important. You should be able to see right through it. The darker it gets, the it's, it never goes bad because it's fermented anyway. But it starts losing its quality and flavor and smell. So you want to keep it airtight in the container. And as you get into like more cooking with different Asian cuisine. Try to use fish sauce from the particular country you're cooking the oh, cuisine nice, from. Nice, Because nice. it, it will give you a more authentic flavor profile. All right. Um, we're going to go to our intermezzo, which is uh, actually an email from a listener. Uh, because, you know, you, you can hear this show, What's Cooking Palm Beach, this time on Saturdays here on WJNO, or really from anywhere on uh, the iHeartRadio app, which is free for your smartphone. Uh, and, of course, the uh, show, you have the podcast at uh, ChefPantone.com as well. iTunes, After the exactly. show, you put that up the next week. Uh, so this is a listener in Fort Myers. Mark P. asks, which fruits will continue to ripen after they're picked? That's a really perfect question because the answer will allow you to pick which ones at the grocery store that, uh, hey, this feels a little hard, but it's going to get more ripe. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So let's go with apricots, bananas, cantaloupe, kiwi, nectarines, peaches, pears, plantains, plums. They all continue to ripen after they're picked. So you can get them a little bit hard. They'll get a little more ripe. And uh, fruits that aren't going to ripen, apples, cherries, grapefruit, grapes, oranges, pineapples, strawberries, Especially strawberries. We always fall for that trick. Yeah, I had an issue with strawberries once I bought and uh, didn't put them in the fridge. Uh, although you say you're not supposed to, but I don't, these strawberries, within one day of leaving them out, maybe my home was a little too yeah, warm. Humidity in your yeah, humidity. Yeah, it, it, they, were, they were white. They had the white, the, the fuzz on them. All. Oh, yeah, so they weren't fresh when you got them. Yeah, one I, brought day them <laughs> I brought them back. They took them back. And uh, for the ones that do ripen, if you want to ripen them a little quicker, usually put them in a brown paper bag, room temperature. The um, dry area of your dry pantry. area, yeah. The brown paper helps with the humidity. Yeah. Uh, not a plastic bag doesn't work so good, and uh, they'll ripen a little bit faster. Don't put it in the fridge. Yeah, the fridge slows it down, so yeah. it's the opposite. Don't put them in the fridge. All and right, eat them. We're going to come right back uh, for one final uh, time here on What's Cooking Palm Beach today. And uh, we will be right back to talk about uh, the food in the news, what's going on at Lincoln Culinary Institute. That's right after this. Is the kitchen your favorite room in the house? Does a career doing what you love sound appetizing to you? Lincoln Culinary Institute, a division of Lincoln College of Technology in West Palm Beach, has your recipe for success. In their campus restaurant, you can train to turn your passion for cooking into a delicious new career. Visit lincolnculinary.com for student consumer information and to schedule a campus tour. That's lincolnculinary.com. Visit them today. Welcome back once again. It's What's Cooking Palm Beach with Chef David Pantone from Lincoln Culinary Institute. Uh, Chef Roy Villacruzis, uh, you're getting ready to open up your restaurant. What's it called? Nitrogen Bar Grill and Sushi on Indian Town Road in Jupiter. And mid-May. Mid-May. Yes, there you go. Can't Thank wait. you, Chef. I'm Joel Malkin. And it is time for our dessert news and events from Lincoln Culinary Institute in the Palm Beach area. And, of course, the food world. Uh, you have some new classes uh, opening up soon. We have a new class starting soon in May. So if you're passionate about cooking, want to turn it into a career, have a friend or a child or a neighbor who's interested, have them give me a call at what telephone number? 1-800-TOP-CHEF. You had it first. Also, don't forget about Cafe Protégé. It's uh, available certain times of the week, uh, certain sure. days. They've been closed for spring break. They open up 
uh, today is Saturday. They open up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for lunch, and uh, all prepared by the students. Pretty amazing, pretty wonderful. And where can you go? You can find out more at uh, ChefPantone.com about that as well? A- absolutely. Okay, all right. And uh, there's another event that uh, is coming up a little bit later this month. This is my favorite food event of the year. It's called the Palm Beach Taste of the Nation, and the tag is No Kid Hungry. So this one is an organization that is all about chefs, all about food, and all about feeding hungry children. It happens on Thursday, April 23rd at the Kravis Center. Chef Roy, yes, you've been sir. involved in this a bunch of years. I've been involved since the beginning, going, uh, participating every year. Lots of great chefs. Um, it's going to be uh, from Lindsay Autry all the way to Chef Tim Lipman of the Culinary will be there. And actually, we're adding a lot of activities this year, too, including a Top Chef similar kind of competitions amongst Yeah, are you going to compete chef. in that? Well, we're going to draw, I think, from yeah. a basket who will be competing. Huh. So you I happen be to know who one there. of the judges are. Actually, <laughs> I happen to know who two of the judges are. <laughs> uh, not yeah. saying nothing, you're but one of the judges, somebody's going to have a good good meal. <laughs> so supposedly, we'll just be all standing there as chefs, and if our names get pulled, we'll be on the stage competing. You're on. That's it. No, no, no preparation, no plan. To and these charities, uh, like it's the tag itself, No Kid Hungry, is directly um, going to be benefiting the kids in our neighborhood that needs a little supplement in their meals. And for me, there's no better charity to, than actually go directly to our kids. And that SOS stands for? Share our strength. That's and it. our strength as chefs is our cuisine. It's our giving. You're not going to find stingy, greedy chefs. What we love to do is donate our time, donate our talents, and especially to help feed people. That's that's really important. So we'll see you there. And where can they get more details on uh, this event? Oh, at ChefPantone.com. You have it right there. Okay. All right. Cool. All right, so we're going to get ready to wrap up this show. And you uh, you just mentioned, Roy, uh, Lindsay Autry. Uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us in What's Cooking Kitchen. Uh, what's happening next week, your daily special? Sure. Contemporary Southern Cuisine with Top Chef alumni Lindsay Autry. There you go. All right. I knew that name sounded familiar when I looked at the next page. Uh, so Lindsay will be here next week. And, uh, of course, you'll be talking about that event a little bit yes, more. Yes, we will. So that's great. Uh, we appreciate you joining us for What's Cooking Palm Beach and uh, pay a visit to chefpantone.com uh, ask them any questions you have what's cooking at chefpantone.com chef roy villa cruises good luck with your restaurant next thank month, you so much indian uh, town to road all there all right nitrogen make sure you check it out you've been listening to what's cooking palm beach with chef david pantone dean of the lincoln culinary institute in west palm beach tune in and find out what's cooking saturdays from 1 till 2 p.m on news radio 1290 wjno if you have any questions or ideas on a topic please email what's cooking at chefpantone.com. that's p-a-n-t-o-n-e.com what's cooking palm beach is presented by lincoln culinary institute a division of lincoln college of technology and sponsored in part by duffy's sports grill visit duffy's mvp.com for a location near you.